So you said you just got back from Austin? Yeah, well, not just, but I like came back about three days after graduation and then I had like three days of rest and then our family went on a vacation and then it was like a week long vacation. We all got COVID and um, then it was a week of recovering and doing nothing. And then I had my house hunting trip or like my apartment hunting trip for when I move out. And so my room has just stayed a mess. Like all the junk that was in my apartment went to my house, hasn't been touched. And here we are. I've got a whole oh, summer wow. to figure that out. You're so. moving to Oregon, right? Yes. Oh, Portland. Yeah. Nailed yeah, it. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause that's where the Nike headquarters are. Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. okay so, cool. Cool. Are you excited? I'm excited. I am. So that's like this trip to Portland was my second time going because I interned last year in person. So I had already kind of seen it, but it was nice going back because I felt like I was looking at it more from a lens of I'm actually going to live here. So like, you know, really taking in more of and being more aware of like, you know, the surrounding areas and like being like, oh, I like this area, not so much here to live in. Um, But it's going to be a big change from Texas. And like in terms of like the demographics, the weather, the landscape, like everything. So that'll be that'll be fun. Right, right. When did you when did you move from? So you, I know you grew up in Tennessee, but when did you come? Like when did you come to Texas? Yeah. So I was born in Tennessee in Knoxville, um, and I lived there all the way up until I was like turning twelve. So like two thousand and twelve that year, mm-hmm. and we came starting um like I was going into seventh grade so yeah so when our junior high like opened like that was the first year that like that I started school so so you've been here for about 10 years then yeah so it was like 12 years in Tennessee I guess now 10 years in Texas and then Oregon (laughs) you're going like way way up north okay yeah cool I mean you too like you're like moving to to New New York City yeah Mm, I don't know that's scary. Like I'm, a, I'm a little. Um, yeah. Yeah, because in high school, New York was my dream college. Like, like not New York, but like going to college in New York was my dream. Like my my dream scenario. Um, and then of course the cost of living and all of that, and also knowing like, even that I wanted to do grad school. So my thinking was, okay, well if I'm going to do grad school eventually, and the cost is already going to be high, then save it for then. Um, but I kind of kept that at the back of my mind. Like when I applied to grad school, I didn't go to, I didn't choose this school because of New York. I chose it because of the program. And then it happened to be in New York. And like my perception of New York adjusted in the four years because I had visited twice before college and I loved it, except it's very overwhelming and there's so much. It's so much. And, and that's the part that's kind of like, at first, the prospect of going, like the thought of going to college in New York was intimidating, but now it's kind of like, okay, it is what it is. Um, I think it also makes sense because it's a very, it's, it seems like this large creative hub. So um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm excited. Part of me is a little bit sad that like I'm not, I'm no longer a UT student and like mm-hmm. having that title and that identity anymore and like having to transition to being like oh like what do you do i I work i guess (laughs) it's like yeah i'll be interesting how did you feel when you walked like when you walked and you just sat down you're kind of like oh it's over like what was like the first first thought for you that went through your mind well so did you all real quick did you all have like a ceremony we 
yeah so we had the fine arts commencement and then we had the the, the, the right the big yeah, one so the fine arts commencement did you guys have it like a whole audience or like was it in like yeah we had it in the the bass concert hall bass concert great so we had so i don't you probably heard but the engineering school had the graduation recognition moments so that was like you know you like each uh major had its own time so chemical engineering was like 12 and you know different majors were going before and after us and you just like get there and you line up and you walk the stage inside the EER and you know they had this little thing set up and people could watch like sit and watch but I mean it was like just on the stairs and then your guests just like walked alongside of you and then they were like rushing you out they're like okay you're done let's go like out the door like fall like out now like they're like people like pushing you through so you just walk across the stage you hand them your paper thing they say your name and they're like let's go you oh know, so it was like, just quick really it's just go no it was yeah. just quick it didn't it didn't feel real at all like I didn't realize we were about to go on and I was like still trying to zip up my gown and stuff like that because you know it was like so hot and so I was like oh I guess we have to start like you know like putting my cap on and everything and so I mean initially I was just like oh this is cool but it like it it didn't feel real because our ceremony was so kind of just super quick and like get in get out and I was like okay cool that was that was fun what's next oh yeah I mean I had the same feeling but it, it didn't I don't think it sounded as rushed like we still got to sit down and there was a keynote speaker and everything there was a whole entire thing that being said there was a baby crying the entirety of the keynote speech which was fun but yeah it was it was one of those things where I, I walked and I sat down and I was kind of like, oh, I guess that just happened. And my, my whole, according to my brother, my whole onstage presence was chaotic because I, I, don't, I don't even know how you can do that because you're just supposed to walk. You just walk across the stage. But there was like a, I don't know, I first I'm just standing there waiting for my turn and they call my name. And then um, I go to, how does this work? Okay, so it's the dean. I shake the dean of fine arts first, his hand. So I go to shake his hand. And for me, it's just like, okay, shake, walk, shake, walk, right? Just don't trip. Whatever you do, do not trip on the stage because that would be embarrassing, but also a little funny. And uh, I think also it would make sense for me. I go, I shake the person's hand and I move and he and the dean refuses to let go because there, there's a camera. So they're taking a picture. Right. Yeah. So I, I forgot about that. I shake his hand and then I was like, oh, this is a long handshake. That's weird. And then I walk to the next person. That's the associate chair of my department. And then I go to shake his hand and he's like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, oh, hi. And then I keep on shaking his hand and he's like, do you want to take a picture? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. And I look, take a picture. And then the dean of uh, SDCT was in the corner and she was like, Neil, you did it. And she like opened her arms and she was going in for a hug, except she couldn't come on stage. Right. That would have been weird. But the, but the hug was like open and ready from like a distance away. So I didn't want it to be weird where her her arms were just open so as i'm walking i walk faster and faster and faster and then i just do like a light jog on stage to go <laughs> and give her this massive hug and then i hug her and there's like another professor who was my um she was my honors thesis advisor like my paper the advisor for my paper so she was there so i was like wait okay well if i hug the dean then I should also hug the professor. So I would go in and hug the professor. And she was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then there was the assistant chair right next to her. And I don't know him that well. So I was like, I'll just shake his hand. So I just shake his hand. And then I go off stage. And part of me was like, okay, hopefully like no one noticed, right? That, was, that wasn't that that bad. And then my brother right after was like, what was that all about? <laughs> that sounds really chaotic. Yeah, yeah. That, 
that that was a lot of people you like literally met five people I shook the dean's hand and literally he was even that was brushed because we took the photo he's like okay like you know like leave and I was like yeah. I, I am I'm just trying to walk slowly like again because I didn't want to trip so I was like going kind of slow but they were yeah. like nope go uh, I think this this gives us a good segue into what I wanted to want to talk about but um you had started something called the blanket identity in the beginning of and correct me if I'm wrong but beginning or end of 2021 like August 2021 ish is that correct so actually like the planning for that um started december of 2020 like um so i like co-founded it with two of my good friends ria upredi and caitlin ing um amazing people i'm so glad i met them in college um so ria and i so in 2020 december like that was peak covid right like we were all like you know online and some people were in austin but some people were at home um Rhea and I were just on a zoom call catching up and we had this conversation and it just like kind of went on for hours and it was just us being like well like you know I feel like we've been doing the same thing in college like we do we join orgs and uh, we were both officers of SWE the Society of Women Engineers and we were officers in there but it was like fun because we had some agency like being able to like create this platform and like you know do change like uh you know, come up with ideas, execute that, whatnot. But it all eventually had to like fall under the umbrella of like what the overall org needed, right? And which was fine. But we were like, it'd be nice to like do something that was like our, like completely on our own. And so we were like, oh, like we should do something together. But, but what? And, you know, we also talked about how like we felt like our Asian American experiences weren't necessarily like what the stereotype that you see is like and we kind of have conversations about that a lot and so we're like yeah okay let's do something we both watch a lot of youtube and we consume a lot of media so we're like maybe it'll be like video based and that was it like we had that was all the idea was and we went to a couple of our friends and we were like hey we want to start a project it might be video based and it'll be about the asian american identity that's all we pitched and our friend caitlin was like we'll be i'm on board so she joined us about um like beginning like january pretty much 2021 and we started having like weekly or bi-weekly meetings i can't even remember at this point we started this google doc that we still have right now it's like pages long um and we just started brainstorming and like coming up with ideas and it was like slowly we narrowed it down um into like what the vision was going to be like what the mission was going to be and so then we finally like officially launched it to everyone or like started announcing what it was and like trying to get people interested in being interviewed that started around like the summer and then like the first video was filmed like in august so i think that's what like people were seeing more of but the planning happened like you know, anywhere from like six to seven months before that. Okay. Um, and how often do y'all post those videos? Cause um, I've, I've gone through, I watched all of them yesterday on, on your, on your YouTube channel. Yeah. And, Thank you. Uh, that yeah, means so much. Sure. Yeah. And um, I've seen like there, is it more like a monthly or is it whenever you feel like the story is appropriate and it's time to record it? Like what is the frequency of those posts? Yeah. So because it's just the three of us and um we actually in october of 2021 we found these um rtf students 
to help out. Um, I have to give them a shout out to Hayden Rhodes is our videographer and Michelle Davis is our editor and they are phenomenal. Like, I don't even think we would be posting as frequent as we do if it wasn't for them. Like, I think we would have had two videos if it was just us doing it. Um, so yeah, we give them a lot of flexibility. So that's why it seems kind of like, you know, it's not on a monthly basis. It's really just like, we wanted to try to get three videos or even four per semester. And then it's just a matter of like what their availability is like, because all the editing like we give to Michelle and, you know, she is a student too, and she's got stuff going on and she has her own projects. And so um, it's more of just like, we just tell her like, Hey, like whenever you can get it done, like it's fine. And so that way it's just like no pressure for everyone. And we're all still enjoying it. And that's what, you know, I feel like matters. Right. And, and and the whole uh, premise of the intersection of passion and Asian, Asian identity was something I, I really um, connected with as an Asian American or specifically South Asian American. Uh, and I think going through those stories and see one of the interesting things was the one you had done with his name was Jay. He, he's this little kid. And the reason I found that so unique was because I just didn't expect the documentation process of a little kid, right? Like usually it's adults or teenagers or um, young adults who are in, uh, but, but it was documenting a kid who was, I think about that, he was about three, he looked like he was two or three. And the parents were talking about uh, how the passions are going to develop. And is there a method in which you choose the stories you want to cover? Are you looking like, how do you guys go about selecting? Okay, this is the person we want to talk about. This is a unique skill set that we want to cover. What is the selection process like for y'all? Yeah, so we, uh, the way we even like kind of get people to be interested or like have people to choose from is we made this Qualtrics form and, you know, it asked you about like, you know, your basic information. And then the last question was like, what are you passionate about? Um, and we sent that out to like a bunch of student orgs and faculty organizations. And we like, posted it on Instagram and then we all posted it on our personal social media and like Facebook, like we did, we did everything. Um, and from that, we actually got quite a few responses, but since like we were sending it out, initially a lot of the responses were people that we knew or like had mutual friends. So a lot of them were, you know, girls or like women and um, students even. And so that's why like our first video was with Lindia and, you know, huge shout out to her for being like our guinea pig, basically. It was and, like, on the, uh, on linguistics, right? Yes, yeah, correct. Okay, cool. Um, and her experience with that and like how, you know, her background and how she came to like, you know, love that intersection with electrical engineering, which was really cool. Um, and so we uh wait back to your question about like how we go about selecting people um after we sent that out we sent out to like the faculty organization a faculty organization and then we got connected with the center for asian american studies or cas on campus and their director like reached out to us and was just like hey like i'd love to like promote you all more and so that's how we got more like adults in our like filling out our survey. And so when we read the uh, responses, I think what we're mostly looking for is someone who like can talk about something that they're passionate about. And it doesn't have to be like crazy unique. I mean, it just so happened to be like, I feel like the responses that we got were really cool. But if somebody really just wanted to be like, I just like 
like painting like painting isn't this like abstract thing that we like can't understand right but it's like um if they were really passionate about that and they had a story about like how their background tied into that we'd be like totally down to like reach out to them um what was cool I thought was that we got people whose passions were like more unique than I could have imagined like linguistics um and Gwen Hong's video um about kind of like creating more like a better space for in higher education for um, people and, you know, Jay's video and then, you know, Rave and her like music production stuff. I was like, this is, this is just so cool. Like, I can't imagine like people like want to talk about this with us and share it with us. So yeah, like mostly we're just looking for people who like are passionate about something and want to talk about it and like want to share with us about it. And actually funny enough, Neil, um, we sent you an email and I don't know if you ever got it, which looking at your face, I'm guessing that you did it. Which email did y'all send? Was it my U Texas email? I believe it was because I literally had to like go on the UT directory to find you. Like I typed in Neil Potness and I found your email and that's how I sent it. Because what happened was so real quick, by the end of this semester, we had like two more videos like we were looking at our schedule and we're like we think we can film like two more and we reached out to a couple people on our responses list because there were some people um who filled it out and they just had like one word or like one sentence answers and we like weren't comfortable like being like oh like should we like interview them because like you know we don't really have a lot to work off of and then the people who did because we had like they had already submitted the responses and had been like a couple months sitting on it. By the time we reached out to them, they're like, I'm actually not available anymore. So we're like, okay, great. So we were like, why don't we just like reach out to people who like, we just want to interview that we know. And I remember I was like, well, I know this guy from my high school, his name's Neil. Like he does this podcast, like he makes short films. Cause like I was talking to Adrit, this is going to kind of go on a mini tangent, but um, I was talking to Adrit in class one day and he was saying how like you know he was like I really admired Neil for all of, like you know working on his films and everything and I was like dude like me too I think it's so cool like every time you post and talk about it so I told Rhea and Caitlin and I was like what if I reached out to Neil and they're like yeah totally and you know I like sent me this email and um you know we were all operating on a like you totally don't have to do it it's just like we're interested in it talking to you like no pressure and you didn't send an email back and I was like well, the email did say like, let us know if you're interested. And I was like, well, I guess he like didn't oh respond. So I guess he's not interested. Oh my, <laughs> so- I never saw it. I like, do you know when, when this was? It was like probably around a- April-ish. Oh God, I can't remember. It was probably like sometime in April. April like of this year. Of this year, yes. yes okay, yes. okay. Oh my gosh. I'm like, yeah, this, yeah, the past like two, three months have been super hectic. Oh, so I, I may have missed it. No, I definitely didn't. Not may have missed it. I definitely missed it. <laughs> Apologies from my end. Oh my God. That's I, okay. Yeah, I had, No, but it was funny because no I told... I told them about like talking to you today and I was like well this will be exciting because then hopefully like you know it'll be a conversation so this will kind of make up for <laughs> yeah it'll it'll, it'll make up for the content hopefully <laughs> yeah. yeah oh my gosh I did I had zero idea next time you should dm me or like text me I really I really should have I forgot I had yeah. your number I like forgot that like other forms of communication existed because we like when we work on the blanket identity we're like you know solely operating like a lot of like email space and with our Instagram like our like my friend 
oh wait, Rhea, our other co-founder, like she primarily works on that. So in my head, I was like, I just got an email, but here we are. Yeah, here we are. It, it, it worked out. It worked out. Um, again, apologies from my end. I, I missed. I, I also blame my Android Samsung S9 Plus. Um, I, 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 I recently got an iPhone, so I'm okay with now like blaming other devices but that yeah the the storage on that was full and i was not getting email notifications so it got to a point where like i was also missing important things about grad school like yeah like grad school notifications and everything so um when it, yeah i just i, I blame the android it's 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 his fault I've, I've now retired that phone and i've moved on um it was a good relationship but it's it's over now so like one thing you had uh said in the introductory video like you specifically and, and and what i love about this is that there of course is this um deeply personal drive behind the project um there it's about asian identity but also what you and um your, like your two other partners also faced as asian um as, as asians in america right uh and one thing you had said specifically was that I, you, you said you had used to associate being cool with being athletic and definitely not Asian. And that was a statement that resonated with me personally because that is something I went through also as a middle schooler, as a late elementary school kid. And for you, and I'm sure there were, was there or were there points where you felt ambiguous about your identity and how did you navigate that? Definitely. Um, the moment that comes to mind is when I first moved to Texas. Um, so growing up in Tennessee, it was like a primarily um, white like neighborhood and like school that I went to. And so I definitely felt like it was very, very obvious that I was Asian. Like I think there was one other Asian girl in my elementary school. And um, I remember being like realizing that like you know, all the stories you hear about the lunchbox, like, you know, bringing your lunches to school and like feeling really outed like that or like actually saying things like something I, I would do a lot was like I'd actually slip into Chinese, especially when I was little because I spoke a lot of Mandarin back mm -hmm. home um, and I would like actually slip up and like say something in Mandarin and like be super embarrassed because people would be like, what did you just say, you know? And like taking note of that and like realizing that, you know, my hair looked different and like not being able to like wear it like all the other girls did. I like tried so hard to fit in like that. Like, you know, I need to wear my hair like in a high ponytail like that. Like, did you know, this, their hair is like super Did slick. this happen in Tennessee or was it something This is in Tennessee. Tennessee, okay. Yeah. Right. So um, like that was like kind of that identity. And I remember being like, I need to not be as Asian. Like I... It just need to kind of tone it down a little bit, you know, like stop trying to make it super obvious. Like I didn't really talk about my culture at all at school. You know, I try to talk about things that people were talked about as kids. I don't know. And then when I moved to Katy, um, you know, I mean, as you can tell, like it's way more diverse here. I mean, at least like compared to where I used to live. I, I and... moved from Wisconsin, so I definitely okay. agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I remember coming to here and like there were East Asian people, like South Asian people and, you know, Hispanic people in my classes. And I was like, this is so great. Like, I love it. Like, I love seeing like other people. And then what happened was like, I, I joined the volleyball team. Um, and because like I mentioned my introduction video for the blanket identity, my parents like played volleyball a lot. So they like really encouraged me to do that. I joined the volleyball team and I was like, besides this other girl who she was Filipino, um, I was the only 
other Asian person on the team. And so when other Asian people at school found out, I would get comments like, oh, you're like, you're so white. Like you play volleyball or like I would wear chacos. Um, and people were like, like, that's so white or something like that. Like you have, you have chacos. So like I'd wear certain brands. I can't even remember now, but just like certain comments, like I'd say something and I'd act a certain way. They're like, that's like, you're like such a white Asian. Like, you know, that, that phrase. And I was like, what you know so it's like all of a sudden I was like well I used to be too Asian and then now here I'm like not really a real Asian anymore so I was like well I I don't know what you what, what you want me to do and so that was kind of when I was like well I definitely still I I mean I clearly look Asian American Chinese American and I was like well how am I going to kind of go about this and I I will say like I don't really think I came to terms with my identity or like really fully embraced it I honestly can't even say I fully do now there's like a lot of stuff I still think I need to work through but definitely like coming to college and like making these new friends and like definitely working on the blanket identity helped with that but even all throughout high school I kind of just like dealt with it I was like okay maybe I just won't really think about it that much you know and I had a couple of Asian American friends, you know, and I think that helped just like having other people. But other than that, it wasn't like something I thought about a lot until coming to college. Yes. And I I'd, I'd, so I'd come from Wisconsin. So I faced something, I think, almost identical. And I moved from Wisconsin when I was seven. So I was very, I was much younger than when you came to Texas. But I still distinctly remember that period. So I, I lived in Wisconsin from 2005 to 2007. And for the most part, I actually like loved it there. But I was, uh, it was very clear that I was a minority because seeing another brown person was rare. I remember seeing a brown family in a mall and just pointing. And my, my was like, mom, look. And she's like, don't point, that's rude. <laughs> but that's a, this, that was just the environment, just to put context, contextualize the environment that, that I was in. And I was questioned about my religion. And I was questioned about, again, the food that was in my lunchbox. And I think there's this whole narrative about, well, every Asian American faced the whole lunchbox crisis. Why so talk about it? And I think that, no, it's, it's important to talk about, right? Because it is distinct to that experience. It is distinct to a first generation Asian American growing up in the U.S. And um, there were just so many things that reminded me that I was Indian. But I think I was lucky to be surrounded by a community that accepted that but but also my mom made it um she made sure that like there was an understanding that people did accept you for who you were it wasn't just by my it was just it wasn't just the environment that I was in but if I was in a predominantly white uh classroom and I was being questioned about certain things then my mom would take it up with a teacher and be like hey these are the problems this is what needs to be addressed, right? And then the te- and then the kids would become more open as a result of that, right? Uh, and I think that definitely made living there a lot easier. Um, again, I had, it was it was a very ideal childhood childhood experience growing up in Wisconsin because like everybody knew everybody. It was a small town, and then you come to or when I moved to Houston, it wasn't a shock as quite as like oh everybody's a lot not everybody like a lot of people are asian it was more of okay this is definitely different from what i saw when i was living in wisconsin or california and even then it was i think 
when I came here was genuinely whenever I began to, I think, wrestle with my identity, but not in more of like a direct way because I was comfortable with it, but it felt like, oh, if you don't go to this thing or that event or this religious ceremony with your friends, then you are not uh, Indian. And I think one of the comments I got uh, which is honestly, it was, it was kind of funny, but it was, it was still like a little bit of a questionable comment. I was called a coconut, um, which is for context, brown on the outside, white on the inside. But like comments like that, um, although playful, you, you look back at it and think about it and you're like, hmm, w- what does it say about my identity? What does it say about the people surrounding me right now, right? Or at that moment, what does it say whenever you're in middle school and you're called the cool Indian because you're not like most Indians, right? What does it say whenever you get an A and a comment from a white boy is that, oh, well, you're Indian, so that's typical, right? Like, that's the type of stuff that I didn't realize was problematic until the tail end of high school and college and even now where I was like, these comments were, I think in some way offensive but they were seen as okay during that time right and i think that developed for me in a it developed in a very toxic way in middle school it was like okay um instead of honing in on my indian culture i'm gonna go away and try and push it away from me as much as possible right like if the narrative is to to stick out to stand out you have to not be yourself then how do i do that right um and even and I think that was also a reaction of feeling like I was being pushed away from my own Indian community, right? Like Indian American community. If they don't like me, then where, like what place, where do I belong, right? So I think that developed in a very uh, questionable personality in, in, in middle school. And um, I, that was something that I was able to realize early on in high school was a problem and then tried to to figure out, okay, what is what does it mean to be an Indian American, right? What does it mean to be an Indian in America, to be born in the U.S., but being told that you're not American enough or you're not Indian enough? Well, if I'm not one or the other, then what am I, right? And I think that can develop into a lot of different questions. And one of the things that I had watched from your videos was it was Lysa Wynn, um, that talked yeah, about Lisa. Lisa, Lisa went, yeah, who she talked about being in between cultures. And that was something that, again, I really resonated with as an Indian American or Asian American. Did you feel the same way growing up in a place like Tennessee or coming to Houston or Austin um, when engaging with a larger Asian American crowd and realizing that, oh, we're distinct in our own way, like we're similar, but we all have our own distinct identity? For sure. Um, I think, you know, that's something that we were hoping to illustrate with the blanket identity was that, you know, every Asian American person, while we do have our similarities, you know, ultimately we all have different childhoods and backgrounds and, you know, certain things that make us who we are. And so therefore we can't all be under this one blanket. Like you can't assume that we all, you know, strive for the same things or like hope for the same things, have the same disastrous childhood experiences or whatnot and trauma. Um, And so I definitely feel like when I came to Katie, one thing that was like Houston basically was that a lot of people grew up with Chinese friends or like had Chinese parties all the time and they went to Chinese school and that they were friends with like all those people. And so that was something that I realized 
was different. I was like, you know, I can kind of relate. Like we had one Chinese family friend in Tennessee. And so I was like, I kind of get that, but like these people had large communities and, you know, um, something like this Chinese communication platform, WeChat, which a lot of the parents use and stuff like that. Like that was like really prevalent over here that, you know, everyone's families were connected. And so we were kind of not really plugged into that community, you know, and I didn't realize that everyone had this like Chinese community back home, like in their homes and stuff like that. And so that was one way that I feel like was different. And also in Austin, there were some people as well, but then going to college, I feel like in Austin, I was able to meet more people, like especially um, Caitlin, like one of our co-founders, I think like her upbringing was also a little bit different. So she um, is like her dad's from Hong Kong and her mom's from Taiwan. And so even despite that, like there's some cultural differences there. And like, she also talks about how like, she doesn't have all these stereotypical Chinese uh, uh, like upbringings as well, or like um, ways that she like relates to everyone about like, you know, like being pushed really hard in school, like going all these classes and whatnot, you know? And so, that was when I was like, oh, you know, like not every Asian person is like that. And then there are some Asian people who like, you know, kind of completely disconnect from their culture, you know, for whatever reasons that they choose to do that, you know, because of what they've experienced in the past. So then I was like, okay, like, that's really cool. Like, you know, we all are born into like, you know, a family that we all look Asian and stuff like that, but like some things have happened, you know, for you to like choose to engage with your culture the way you do now. And I think that was what was really cool about being able to see when we interview people for the blanket identity was like certain people choose to really lean in to their culture, you know, maybe more so than others. And like, you know, a lot of people's cultures or backgrounds like kind of inspire them to pursue whatever they want to pursue. So I thought that was that was really neat. I don't know if that like completely answers your question, but no, it, it definitely it definitely did. And, and, and I think um that was that, that that's that's interesting because the way you kind of created those two distinctions of people who kind of like have their culture influence them versus people who maybe like engage with it directly i mean it can, it can go both ways at the same time it can, it can go hand in hand and i think that was something again that uh i felt that my my both my parents made sure that I was deeply rooted in, in the Indian culture. And I grew up knowing about the stories and the history. And I mean, I mean my dad was sometimes at bedtime stories would, would, would read us like Indian uh, history books, not like, like directly history books. Cause that would have been really boring. Like there were more cartoon versions um, or some of them, there was like a, one of them was more of a textbook format, but it was still written for children. Um, but the, the point of that was, I think, with my parents giving me that strong foundation, I don't think they believe that, okay, we need to now put him in this thing or that thing for him to be consistently culturally rooted. I think they knew that if the foundation was strong, then that those roots will stick with them or with, with my brother and I throughout our our lives. And that was, again, what, what I felt like I struggled with because like I saw a lot of other Indian Americans um, engaging in certain events and all of these things and I was like okay um, I don't like I don't feel like I need that to validate my identity not saying that they did that to validate their identity but I it felt like at some point okay am I now being looked down upon by this community because I don't do these specific things that maybe the majority is doing um, and, and, and 
and, and and that was something that like I had really I think felt growing up in a place like Katie interested to know if you ever felt something similar one thing for me was that like I I didn't like you know I don't go to Chinese school or I had never um and so that was something that I didn't really relate to a lot of people like their terrible experiences with Chinese school I was like I never had that not that, that there wasn't a Chinese school in Tennessee but you know my parents had like so much going on like having just immigrated here that we didn't really like they didn't really push me to do that like so much of what you were saying with your parents like kind of ingraining your culture through books and stuff like that like we had a lot of books at home too so that's how my parents just taught me you know about our culture too um so yeah I feel like I didn't have that and part of me was like oh well like maybe I should have gone to Chinese school like maybe I need to do this and you know I didn't choose AP Chinese or whatever in high school either. So I was like, oh, I do I need to do that to kind of fit in? Because I don't know if you remember, and this is not like me trying to call anyone out and I'm not going to, but like, I feel like in high school, there was like a distinct like East Asian group or like a group of friends like you know, hung out together. And I like, just felt like I could talk to them and not that they were bad people at all, but like, I just felt like I could never really be considered one of them because like I didn't have this huge network like a lot of them like I think their parents even knew each other or something like that and you know they hung out a lot outside of school and they like played you know they play games they play certain games and like are into certain media or like you know stuff that I just felt like I wasn't connected to and so in that sense I was like oh like do I need to do all that to be a part of that group and even to this day I don't think I've ever been a part of like an East Asian friend group or like a friend group where we're all Asian. It was like specifically East Asian. So that's, I guess in that sense, I, I kind of have felt it, but at this point I'm like, it's, it's fine. Like I am, I'm like content and I'm like proud with like, proud of, you know, the kind of Asian American person I am now, but a little bit in high school, I would say I tried. Right. And I think there's a lot to say with how, um, one thing I've realized is, and this comes for even whenever you, you see representation in, in the media or, or in film and television when it comes to Asian Americans, is I think there's now this belief that if you're representing Asian Americans on screen, you have to rely on stereotypes and you have to talk about this one consistent story. And I think that even happens with um, media that, that covers uh the, the black experience in America that there has to be only one story right it has to be it has to be only about slavery or it has to be only about um uh it only has to be only about the uh civil law system in, in or the law or, or in in the U.S. and I think all yeah of course those stories are important but I think part of the uh, importance of showcasing diversity and, and um, when it comes to identity such as Asian Americans is to yeah, show that we're distinct but also similar and we all but we also have distinct experience distinct American experiences that don't rely on stereotypes but they're distinct to ourselves and I, I think that's something you guys are really able to showcase really really well is that they're we're you know we're normal people who aren't just categorized into whatever white America wants us to be, and I think that's incredibly important. And I think a lot of that has to do also with upbringing and how 
were, were developed as kids. And you had said again in the introductory video that you don't believe you would be half the person or possibly entire entire person you are today without your parents. How would you say your upbringing um, growing up in the environment that you did influence your identity and then in the end who you are at this moment, who you are today? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, well, I would say that like my parents, even though like I think they could tell that there were certain times when I was wanting to shy away from my culture, they were still pretty unapologetic about that. Um, even though like, you know, we'd go out and if my parents, um, you know, their English wasn't too great, especially when we f- they first moved here and we were young and you could just, I think they knew that I would be like, oh, like I would just like hate it when they spoke and I would always try to like speak for them. Cause I'd be like, I don't want people to like realize, you know, this about us, but you know, like, I still think that they, just kept, you know, trying to get me to speak Mandarin at home. I think that was an important thing um, was like, we could only speak that at home. Um, And that, that way, like it let me to be more connected with my grandparents too. Like I was able to call them and talk to them, which I'm really grateful to be able to do because I can speak. Um, And then, you know, making us eat all this food. Like for me, when I get sick, like the remedies I think about are all these like Chinese foods that my mom makes, you know, I don't even know like how to describe them in English. Um, and like that, that for me is like something I am now proud of. But back then, you know, when people were like sick and they're like, do you want Advil? I'd be like, I don't, I don't usually take Advil, <laughs> so, you know? And so I think in that sense, I think that has created this like really strong sense of Chinese American identity in me. Although like I did try to suppress it as a kid, because it was like always like fed into me that like even by the time I realized like no I want to lean into it more it was easy for me to so like you know later in high school and in college when I was like you know I actually like like talking about being Asian American and when I like see other Asian Americans it's like cool to talk about like oh all these experiences and like there's no judgment at all and I'm like oh this is great. Like, I'm glad I have stuff I can talk about or that I can contribute and like stuff about my culture I can share because like I, my parents were able to like instill that in me. Like one thing I, another, this, I was reminded of this when you talked about your parents with like the little history books and like our stuff as a kid, my grandma would make me memorize like Chinese poems, like ancient Chinese poems. And um, to this day, I still have like five or six memorized you know I like memorized this when I was like a kid like two or three and so that is something that I'm I'm like pretty proud of myself for being able to and I think it's like a way that I stay connected to my culture and that like I'm proud of and it's like not not something I like I tell everybody but it's a little part of me and that I feel like just like reminds me of like who I am and yeah Right. Yeah. My, my, my dad does it with me today. He didn't make me memorize the stories, but it was always be like, because he would tell me the story when I was like three or four. Right. And I, I had a solid, I think for me, I'm able to remember a lot of things like past when I'm three, I have like flashes from when I was two, but he would tell me stories and, uh, I forget about the stories because, you know, I'd grow older and all that stuff. And he'd, he'd reference a story and I'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then he'd be <laughs> just a disappointment on his face. He's like, I, I, I've told you this story so many times. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, well, like, remember, remember that one? And then, But I think 
now like now I remember I remember most of those stories and now it's become like a reference point where it's like okay um whenever um whenever my my parents are trying to give me a lesson about focus right or um like the, the end goal like okay what did what did the character Arjun see um whenever he was you know shooting his arrow he saw the bi- he saw the the eye of the bird as the target like just callbacks like that uh, is yeah is always what keeps me connected to those stories and my identity and of course there's so much more to it and one thing I also know is that even though my parents have given me that strong foundation I still feel like there's so much more for me to learn because I'm still an Indian in America right I'm still an Indian American and do you feel the same way is there any point of view like where you think okay I might need to uh, engage more with it or probably go back to the motherland and learn about, or are you, uh, yeah, like how, how, how do you, how do you feel about that? I would say I'm like 100, 100% with you on that. Like I, there's definitely so much for me to learn. Like I talk about like being able to speak Mandarin, but I should also admit that I cannot read or write. Like, so that's something that I really wish I could do. And um, we do visit China. Oh, that's another thing. Like, I feel like compared to some people that I've heard, like we've gone back semi-frequently. Like I think in my lifetime, I've been back six times or something like that, five or six, which is like quite a lot. And I, like, I, I have a lot of memories from that, but it's just, you know, every time I'm in China, it's like really embarrassing when I clearly look Chinese and I, and I look like everyone else there, but you know, someone asks me to like write something down or like, just like being able to read something. And it's like, I need to ask my mom, I'm like, mom, can you like read this menu for me or like the sign? Um, so that's one thing where I'm like, yeah, I would love to work on that and be connected with um, that more. Um, and then I would also say like, I wish I had a better understanding of the history of China, especially because we hear a lot about it in the news and, you know, the way the news portrays it here is pretty negative. And again, I'm not, I don't want to make this into like a political conversation. I mean, it's every, any, I don't any know. other, any other country, but America, right? Like that, that's yeah. always, yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. And so, um, and I most, and I also don't know a lot about this to even like really get into a conversation about it but then that's why I'm like I wish I understood more about the history of it because I think that contributes to why they're acting like you know maybe why the government there makes certain decisions you know that like we like western culture like doesn't understand not saying to who's right or wrong um but it's just like I feel like when my parents have a conversation with their friends or I hear them talking about it it's like much more informed because they understand more about like why things work the way they do. So sometimes I'm like, instead of just sitting here and like reading the news and being like, well, that sucks. You know, like, why do they do that? And instead of just being like, almost feeling like I should also hate on them, you know, because I'm, I'm living here. It's like, well, how can I like try and understand this? You know? So. Yeah. I think, I think there's, there's this, this need to contextualize things a lot more right and, and under and have a have an understanding because i don't i think coming from a country where we're, we're spoiled in terms of certain things right like um freedom of speech and uh, all of these rights that some you know other countries may not grant their their people uh there is a lack there can be a lack of understanding i think contextualizing um the specific moment by also understanding history and how we got to that point and how or how a specific culture got to that point is incredibly important and 
one thing I also you just said is like how you're uh, like you have to like whenever whenever you go um, to China and like you have to kind of like write like things down and like ask your parents for help. It's something I also definitely connect with not when i go to china of course when i go to india right. um, <laughs> um because i've been to india i think about the same time six seven times uh i stopped going as much because when my grandfather passed in 08 my maternal this was my maternal grandmother um came to america to stay with us so like our reason kind of for going back and forth lessened if everything was already in america right but the recent trip i had was back in 2017 and that was after like seven years of of not going and i understand my language which is marathi um I, i'm able to speak it in a very broken way but i understand like everything that my grandmother is saying except speaking it's a little broken and a little embarrassing sometimes because i used to be able to speak it but i had like an obvious american accent so whenever i'd go to india and speak it like all the, like the the uh all the relatives would kind of like mock me a little bit and that that would push you away from wanting to then speak the language which is also why you i guess you like the same thing happen you can't say the same thing doesn't happen in america like people have accents in america and people mock those accents um so but like yeah like the, i think one recent the recent trip i had whenever like we, we all a lot of us got sick and my parents needed or my mom needed me to go get something so my grandmother had to write down instructions for me to then go to the store, hand the woman the paper, she looked at it, and then gave me the stuff. I wasn't actually as embarrassed as I thought I would be because um, I thought, but it was one of those things where, like, okay, I do wish, like, I was able to speak this language because language is so important in that. I don't know if you heard that, but that was my Android phone just going off. I don't know, I don't know why it's still alive. I don't know why it's still <laughs> a thing. You have to terminate it. Yeah, I have to terminate it. Um, but it was one of those things where I realized, oh, I wish like I was able to be more fluent with those with this language. So if I ever wanted to come back and there's a moment where I'm not coming back with my parents, um, like, how do I navigate this? Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think about that, too. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So that's always something that kind of goes through my head is like, OK, will there ever be a moment where I return to that country? But like my parents aren't with me because I do want to go back. I do love it there. But at the same time, the reasons for going back and also the, the, there, there are barriers that I think wouldn't allow me to fully exist. Like I have to be it'll be a codependency, like I have to be codependent on someone to be in that um, to be in that country. Um, but when was the last time you went to uh, went to China? Um, so you said yours was 2017. Mine was 2018. So right after high school graduation. Um like yeah that was yeah no that was it was fun I got tonsillitis uh like right on my birthday um when I went so that was very memorable I was just like in pain and you know I'm at like the doctors and this is like back to my story but I wish I could read and write some like they were like okay I need you to write your name on this form and like I can write it's my last name's Lee right and I can write that like that character but like the rest of my Chinese name um it's just super complicated and I'm like mom dad why did you do this to me you know and so I I like if you if you asked me if you gave me all the time in the world I could probably like figure out how to write it but I was sick and I was I was like stressed and I, I, I was like I can't write my name and literally the doctor was like 
you're 18 like how do you not know how to write your name and I was so embarrassed and like my mom had to like quickly be like you know we live in America whatever and so and she had to like write my name for me on the form and so I was like oh god and so that's when I was like I really thought about being like oh okay I should I should work on this but that was like a big highlight of that trip and we wanted to come back actually after college graduation but as you all know, um, China is still closed. So it's just like, I don't know when the next time it's going to be. And like, this is a first, like I have free time now, you know, I would be able to go with my parents and like in the future, it's just whenever the time is right. I mean, like, what about you? When do you think you will be going back? Um, I, I don't know. I think, I think the last time we, we went, there was this um feeling that this was probably the last time we were going in a very very long time um i don't know when we'd be going back because like everyone my, my uncles are also here so uh every like direct relative is in america so i don't know when i'd be going back in the last experience we had was a kind of a negative experience because everybody fell sick within two days of entering the country because I think I, I, I think we got food poisoning from a family reunion um, because of I think the lamb they cooked in front of us it was good food good lamb but um, it took out everybody in that in that family reunion so uh, in the long run it might have not been worth it but yeah so like that was a negative experience we were sick we were trapped in one area um, and again just like realizing that okay everything we have is in america right it, um even for my parents even um even for for my mom so i don't know when we'd be going back that's the thing that's that's like the more i think about it, is like i do want to go back i haven't seen the taj mahal and i'm from like my parents are from me like mumbai is like very very far from the taj mahal um because the taj mahal is way up north but at the same time just stuff like that like i've just seen pune and mumbai um, and that's it. I've learned a lot about like my culture and also my last name and where it come from, comes from and all of that. And there's definitely a pr proud history there. But there's definitely more I want to know about the larger country. And I think there's some things you can only know by going there and like traveling there and being there. Um, but, you know, so I'm guessing for you, the next time you go to China is like right when they lift the restrictions, I'm assuming, right? I mean, hopefully, if, you know, at this point, oops, whoops, um, I hopefully, at, you know, I can take off time from work or something like that. And I'm able to, uh, you know, find time to go and maybe I'll have to go by myself. Like, you know, I don't know if my parents would be able to like all coordinate that, but we'll see. Cause at this point it's like, nobody knows nobody when knows. restrictions are gonna yeah yeah even india was crazy with with covid19 at some point it was crazy for a very very long time how would you say your identity influenced how you approached your passions such as sports or music or now even even acting oh wow yeah, yeah. um <laughs> that's we'll see how how long that one lasts but um i would say okay so for me for sports um it's like I don't you know I don't 
actively just do one sport and I'm not like exceptional at it. Like I played volleyball in middle school and high school and then I did IMs in college. But I think for me, like the idea of sport, or, like being active and not to sound all like Nike, um, but <laughs> I think- <laughs> Those damn Nike fools. I, I know, um, love them though. Yeah, great, great place. I'm looking forward to working there. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I feel like just to get that like, out of the way. Yeah. Just, just, to, in, just in yeah. case you're listening, <laughs> the Nike overlords. Somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Here's that. Um, no, but so for me, like I consider like being active or just getting outside doing something um, is for me, like a part of my culture, because both of my parents met playing volleyball in college. Like they were sports education majors. Um, and sports so a couple. I, I know. Yeah, they both play volleyball. It's crazy. Um, if you ask my mom, she'll say she's much better than my dad. Um, and so for them, like we would go to, they would take us to like the gym, um, which was like similar to what the Y is, like something we had locally back in um, Knoxville. And we just go and like we go swim laps, or, like run on the track. And there was just something like it was like a regular part of our routine. So for me, like it is a part of my identity and like being Asian American to me is like that this is just who I am. And then same with music, I guess music, it almost like you could almost say it kind of fits in the stereotype of like everyone being like, you have to play the piano or the violin. I did play the piano, um, which at the time I was like, man, this is just because every other Asian person is playing the piano, but it was a great experience. And I feel like that led me to like choose band and like I did band all through middle school and high school. And then music was also something that I felt like it's just like such a good stress reliever. And it really brings people together. Like when you're playing together, like in orchestra and band. And I think that's why now, like I still love listening to music. And I feel like when I watch films or, you know, any form of TV and it's like the soundtrack is really good. Like I'll like research about like, you know, how do they, how do they write this? Like, what do they think about when putting this together? And so I think that's another aspect of, you know, my identity that started out with just like being forced to play the piano, which turned out to be a good thing. And then with acting, like kind of like, like, you know, auditioning for a play this last semester in college, which if you like look at everything I've done, it seems very random. Um, it but was. I'm I, sorry, but it was. I, I no, didn't, yeah, you're I didn't right. expect it. Yeah, I didn't expect it. <laughs> no, no, for sure. And I think it was because, well, so when I was little, when I was like around eight or something, I had this distinct memory of sitting in the car with my mom and I was really talkative as a kid. I mean, I guess you can kind of tell I still kind of am, but um, I like love talking a lot. And I remember I told my mom, I was like, I think I want to be an actress, like not having done anything. I was just like, I think I could do it. And she was like, I know she's like, you talk a lot, but you're actually really shy. Like on the outside, she was like, I just don't think this is for you. And I was like, Oh, guess you're right. You know, I was eight. And so then I, when I got to college and I was like, you know, I've done music for a long time already. And I was like, kind of doing a little bit of photography, but I was like, I think I want to try something else, like something else, creative and artistic. And I was like, what if I just took an acting class? You know, I'm already paying for tuition here. Um, and like, that was just like, why not? Like, like, it will just be for fun, like no stress. And I did that spring of 2021. It was the best class I took all semester. I mean, like all throughout college, pretty much. It was like the most fun class, at least for sure, compared to my chemistry classes. And 
I just had a lot of fun trying something new and like being vulnerable. And also you have to be really humble because you got, you know, it was new, like you're going to mess up. Like you're, you still got a lot to work on and you mess up in front of people too. Right. So I like, that was just such a cool experience. And I think that's why I was like, maybe I'll just audition for a play and like, just see like if I could try this out, like in not a classroom setting. And so I think that comes from also, it was me being like, I was worried about like what my friends would think or I'd be like, people think that this is weird for me, you know, or like even what my parents would think, you know, because I was afraid my parents would be like, is this something you want to do? And like then the whole stereotype of like your parents wanting you to pursue, you know, STEM careers and whatnot, which to a certain extent, I think my parents do kind of push me in that direction. Um, so I was worried that they would be like, why do you want to try this? Like you should be focusing on school and stuff like that. But I, but they were, ended up being really receptive of it and I realized it was just like another way for me to just like try something that I liked and I think that further like shows the whole being Asian American is just it's just being you you know living being an Asian in the U.S. so it was just like something I wanted to explore. And you did, you did very good, by the way. And this isn't me trying to flatter you. Like, oh, my gosh, Iris, you're so good. But, like, I, I, I was – first when I saw the poster, I was like, oh, I know Iris acted. Um, and then – I bet a lot of people thought that. Yeah, uh, which I guess this now comes off as kind of like a backhanded compliment. I don't know. But my point was, like, you were very good. Like, I was I was, I was, was uh, shook. Um, and I, you plan on continuing, right? Thank you. I do hope so, like to do like community theater or like be involved in some way in Portland. I was talking to like that acting professor that I had, which I later took an improv class this past semester with her as well. And I brought it up. I was like, you know, cause she had lived in Seattle for a bit. So I was just like, any advice? Like, what should I do? And she was like, you should definitely like keep trying, you know, just like doing this for fun. And I definitely think it's like, it's, it's just a great, like for me like now like a hobby to have and like something just you know to be able to do like aside from work like a creative outlet to have yeah and the uh production was called foot in the door which at the time didn't really connect the dots with me <laughs> which shows how dull i can be at points um but it it's it's a production company from what i gathered from the name that's for like people who are trying to get into more into acting is that correct it's just like um so what the executive producer of like this group was telling me was she was like it was loosely like a long time ago i think affiliated with the liberal arts honors program <laughs> which i don't even know how but i think yeah. now it's like a student org and it is like open to all majors you know it's just like everyone's invited like no matter your experience and yeah it's just to give people kind of like an intro to theater and like you know, some people like one of a couple of our cast members like had a lot of experience in theater, but then, you know, me and another person did it. And that was great that like we were all able to work together. Right. And, and did you feel that pursuing something creative um, was I mean, you talked about how like the background you felt like may maybe um, of some issue of like pursuing something more creative. But do you feel that pursuing something more creative like acting was in conflict with your identity or were you just like you know what screw it I'm gonna do this anyways I don't care I definitely think I had the conflict and then it became a, a screw it like mentality because I think at first I was like I think in high school I don't know if this is what you thought of me but this is what I thought of myself I was like 
kind of like a goody two shoes or like I really did just try to like follow the rules all the time and like I really didn't want like to do the wrong thing and I just kind of you know did did my AP classes did school and you know did band and like tried to just do all these extracurriculars you know it's kind of kind of standard if you look at it on paper and I just felt like everything I did was kind of pretty standard you know in college I started finding internships like looking for jobs you know etc and so then this did feel like kind of out of the ordinary but to me it was like it felt true to who I was because like my interest in acting like not many people know of that story of like when I was younger and like me telling my mom that I wanted to do it and I think it, you know, at home in, you know, my own room and stuff like that, like, I end up watching, like, a lot of, like, YouTube videos of, like, behind-the-scenes stuff about, like, how some, like, theater productions are done or, like, movies are done, just because it's something I'm curious about, but I don't talk about it to a lot of people, I think, because I think that I've developed this outward identity of being, like, a hard working student and you know I strive for all these other things that it's like oh is there people think it's weird if I want to pursue acting so honestly I told like a couple of my friends when I got the role in the play and they were like wow like we're so excited for you and then gradually I think I was like more comfortable telling other people when I realized that people weren't like dissing me for it not that I not like why would people do that but I I don't know I guess part of me was just like people were going to be like talking about me or whatever but I think it's you know always in your head that you think that it's such a big deal but it's right and 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 what was that process like for you like auditioning and then um even just auditioning I think takes some sort of uh I mean it definitely takes a lot of guts to even do that but at what point did you was there any point where like the nerves hit you where you're like oh my gosh this is actually happening this is something I have to to do and I have to perform in front of people or were you just mood sailing with it the entire time so um definitely not I'm a very nervous person um and you can ask anyone like I just I freak out about so many things um and so when it came to auditioning I remember there was something for sweet that we had at the same time but I didn't want to tell people I was auditioning for this thing because you know again nervous and like I felt like it was such a vulnerable thing so it's just like I, I can't make it and I was like okay I've already I've already said I'm not going to this you know gathering thing and I gotta go to auditions now and I remember I was just like just walk to the building like you know step one is just leave the apartment basically and I was like okay so I did that and I got there and I was like well um I I have to do it now like I'm already here like I'm gonna feel even worse if I turned around and so during the audition honestly I was like I'm just gonna have fun like I'm just gonna it's just gonna be what it is you know no expectations like just gonna do my best and after I got the part and we were rehearsing at the table read I was kind of nervous because when I met the other people and I um Abby who played um the mother in the play she was super talented and she had theater she a theater good. background yeah, oh she was good. amazing yeah. and so when I learned about that when she was explaining that to us like at the table read I got kind of nervous I was like oh my god maybe I'm not this isn't for me like clearly this was wrong and then during rehearsals it was pretty good but before opening night on Friday I was backstage with Abby um and I remember I was like I'm so nervous. I was like, I, wow. Cause I've been on stage. I used to do dance um, when I was younger too, um, which I don't know how I failed to mention that. That was like a big part of my life for a hot second. Um, but I did dance and I was like, well, I've performed like that but I've never done, you know, 
something like this, you know, where I've had to speak, <laughs> I guess. And so that was, I was pretty nerve wracking, but when you came on Saturday, like I would say like my nerves personally were like a lot better. So I was just more like super excited for it. Right. How many, you had, you had, a, had you all done two shows up to that point? So that was our second. Second. Oh, so that was the second one. Okay. You saw all the Stephen Chang posters on the first night? Oh, I did. I yeah. did. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which apparently he missed. Like he, he said he didn't see it. But at one point I was like, I had lifted my head in that direction. And I was like, God. And I was like, I wish I didn't have to see them. I wish there wasn't <laughs> was just so Stevens in the crowd. But I know. God damn. From what I know, y'all started rehearsing in February, right? And the show was in April end of april yeah end of april that's not that much time so what what did that schedule look like we like so honestly like the first few rehearsals were just like loose blocking and we we're like holding the book the whole time and then we had two weeks off actually for spring break um like the week before spring break and the actual spring break and then once we came back we only rehearsed on weekends and we did friday saturdays and sundays and i don't even remember what the beginning was like um but like towards the end it was just like three hours on Friday, like four hours on Saturday and like three to four hours on Sunday again. And then um, the week leading up to rehearsals, uh, the performance, sorry, it was like nine to 10 hour days on Saturday and Sundays. And so it was, it was insane, but because I had so much fun, it like didn't bother me. Like, you know, if I think I had meetings or like group project meetings all the time on weekends, I would be like, God, you know, I'd be like, I hate this. But for this, I'd be like, I'm not even done with my homework yet, but I'm I'm gonna go, <laughs> you know. So right, it was it's a lot nice, of fun. It's a nice little creative outlet. I mean, but just like how like I found I watched Superheroes Anonymous, the film that you made. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, like it's great. I think it's so clever, and it's it's just refreshing. I thought, and I think it's awesome that like you got you know your friends together and you made something and like you had an idea and you execute and you acted on it which I think that in and of itself is just really admirable to me and then the product itself was just amazing I loved Sean's character like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought that was so funny yeah. I don't know if he liked his own character he was a little <laughs> a little embarrassed yeah but yeah thank thank you thank you um yeah that was a lot of fun uh that was also um, I think that is my favorite project or one of my favorite projects I've worked on at UT mainly because like it tracked the time it was in. Like we started that before the pandemic, August 2019, and we wrapped it April 2021. There was a year gap where we did not shoot. And I think I watched like I, I think the last time I watched it was two months ago with 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 Jack who was in the film and then um, my friend Lakshya because he hadn't seen it so he wanted to wanted to watch it so not he wanted to watch it we forced him to watch it but yeah <laughs> and I think I still think it captured the time pretty well because I think the whole film for for me was about solitude and it wasn't just about like friends along the way right but it's about like again doing the superhero act that doesn't seem grand in scale but it's just simplistic um and i yeah i had a lot of fun um making that so thank you thank you for for watching it um but i think it's refreshing to see more um people kind of engaging with their creative side lately i've seen 
so many people getting into acting, getting starting their own podcasts and all of these things, and especially Asian Americans doing it. And um, that is something that like makes me a little emotional because I was operating in a space at a time when like no one, no other Asian American was doing it, right? And to be an Indian American in a creative space, there was this, well, what the, what are you doing, right? Like, what's going on here? And um, I think the thing that you did about, okay, you know, what, what, will, what will people think about me? Okay, cool, fuck it. I'm just going to do it anyways. That, that takes guts. And that, I think, um, is an important part of your creative character because I had gone through something like that years ago whenever I had decided to engage heavily with my creative side. Um, and again, to see people now talking about it and to see someone like you and your friends providing a platform for people who have that internal part of them that maybe they might be shy to express, um, that's important. And that is important work. And I think what y'all are doing is, um, like it it means a lot to me and I want to thank you for, for putting that, putting this all together. And do y'all plan on continuing it? Oh, well, first of all, thank you. Um, we won't be continuing since all of us are going to be in different places. We're going to be in different states for work and grad school. Um, and so we've wrapped up all the filming right now. We're just um, waiting on our editor, Michelle, to get everything um, edited. But we have one more video coming out, like an interview, um, which I'm really excited about. He's like an assistant professor here at UT, and he's done a lot of work in the legal system and um, pretty cool. Um, And then we have our final like wrap up, like goodbye video um, that made us really emotional while filming it. So I'm sure when I see the final product, I might tear up a little bit. But yeah, that's probably all going to get released like within this month and the next month and be done, you know, certainly before school starts because um, the other two, our videographer and editor are still going to be at UT, like they haven't graduated yet. So we just want that all to be done so that everyone's like got a clean plate before starting whatever's next. Yeah. Are you excited for what's next? Are you a little, little nervous or are you a little bit of both? A little bit of both. I think like it's slowly starting to hit me how um i guess like privileged we were to like be university students like to have this experience because i think being able to reach out especially with the blanket identity being able to reach out to people and say like hey we're ut students like and like having that student identity and that really like i really felt like that opened opportunities for us and um, I'm going to miss that and like that environment where everyone's just like ready to try something new, you know, and then like, it's just like, oh, it was such a fun time. I feel like now looking back, but I'm also excited for work just because it'll be an opportunity to again, like do something new, like live somewhere that I haven't lived before and, you know, continue to like grow myself. And it'll be interesting because I'll do it. I'll be doing it without like this direct support, or, like close support of like you know, my friends and family that I've had for all these years. So it's like, how am I going to navigate this, you know, on my own? How am I going to like find new support systems and like find people in a new area? I don't know. Like, are you nervous slash excited? Um, yes, I think kind of definitely. Yeah, that was like three, four responses. Oh, my God. Um, yes. Uh, 
I definitely connect with the part of like it's about well I connect with all of it because I think that question that I get like whenever people are like are you nervous about um moving to New York or like moving out there and stuff like that I always fumble with it the same way I'm fumbling with it right now is because I don't know right like I don't know what to expect like it was like the same thing whenever people are asking me are you going to miss college well I don't really know how to answer that because I don't know what I'm feeling right now I don't know what I'm gonna feel when I'm actually past it which is now um but to answer that uh I am feeling a little nervous I think I I there is a benefit of knowing that I have connected with a few people who are already in New York. So um, I get there. I could just text them, hit them up and be like, hey, I'm here. You know, let's grab coffee or something like that. Let's go get some lunch or dinner. Uh, so there is that comfort. But I also know that I think grad school is a different territory from undergrad. And that grad school, I think there is I don't know what to expect because I'm not there yet. But I don't know what the interaction is going to be like, right? It's a, it's a small, limited cohort. I'm really excited to meet them. Um, but at the same time, I'm not like aware of what the dynamic is going to be like. So I am, I think it's different from you in the sense that I am lucky to be like entering. I mean, I don't know actually how it is for you, but like entering a cohort, like people are relatively the same age. So there's still like a, a base for some kind of like ability to get to know people. Uh, so, but, but that being said, it's still in a different city. Um, it's an unfamiliar territory. It's completely new. It's in New York city that too. So it's not like, uh, it's kind of like, here you are, right? Like you wanted to adult, this is the definition of it. Um, so I am, I don't know what I'm feeling other than we'll see. Uh, well, thank you again for, for doing this. Um, I had a lot of fun. I had, I definitely one of my favorite discussions and I don't say this lightly because I think there was just there's a commonality and like an understanding and I and I, and I really again second time to say it but like I really appreciate what y'all did with with the blanket identity and, and the work y'all put into it so again thank you so much thank you so much first of all like when you asked me like when I got your message to do this I was so excited I was like oh my god like I can't believe a like, part of me was, I was like I can't believe Neil wants to like talk to me about this like <laughs> I was like this is so cool because I've listened to like a few of your podcast episodes um I think recently I went back and I listened to the one you did with Rhea um of like her and her TikTok things so I remember mm. I was like she's so cool and I was like I can't believe like Neil wants to talk to me and so like but this was this was so fun and it's like I'm like oh man I wish we like talked more like prior to this because I'm like this is I've like so much more I feel like um I still like would love to learn of like about your like upbringing and everything so yeah. definitely stay in touch for sure yeah we we have each other's number so we'll uh, we'll we'll each hit each other up and if there's any like some kind of some by some chance some kind of live stream of, of a theater performance send me a link I don't know if they do that because that that can defeats the purpose of buying a ticket and being in the audience. But if they do it and that's like Oregon style, then (laughs) (laughs) just let me know.